listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. April 1175, Paul Revere, he's an activist in the Patriot Movement. He rode through the night with two men, Samuel Prescott and uh, William Dawes. Only one of them succeeded reaching Concord to warn the British of the British invasion. After they left Lexington, Revere, Prescott, and Dawes were arrested and detained by a British patrol. Prescott was the first to escape and he set off to Concord and he warned its residents to protect the uh, ammunition and the weapons that were hidden uh, in the depot near town. Dawes later escaped um, as well and all, though by some accounts he became lost in the dark, never made it to Concord. Revere was eventually released but without the horse he'd borrowed for the journey, rather than setting out for Concord, he walked back to Lexington only to discover the city um, in the midst of battle at Lexington Green. So he had still been in captivity when the first shots were fired. And although he didn't yell, the British are coming, Revere did manage to warn all of Lexington about uh, the rest of the oncoming British invasion in the hours before he got on his horse and went to, toward Concord. That's the true story of Paul Revere. Uh, maybe not what most of us heard growing up, but still a man that shared the news to his people of the coming attack. But today we're going to read an account of a man that didn't share the news of an, a coming attack, but an attack that had already happened, a news that was just so terrible and deadly that it rocked a nation to its core. News that would change the course of history, news that will actually become a warning to us this morning of maybe how we should change our eternity. News that the Lord's judgment has fallen. We'll be in 1 Samuel 4. We'll finish chapter 4 today. I'll start in verse 12. If you have a digital Bible, I'll read out of the ESV. If you have a bulletin, all of the main passages in your bulletin, and then everything else will be on the screen. But before we read uh, the account today, let's pray together. God, we um, come before you and... and we need to hear this news. We need to hear the news of devastation that has arrived for Israel in their sin. We need to hear of the devastation and the impact of our own sin. God, if we will ever realize how sweet the good news of the gospel is, Help us just to be overwhelmed of the impact of our own sin. God, God, teach us, give us understanding 
um, of a heavy story, a, a story um, not just heavy this week, but last week and the next coming weeks uh, of your judgment falling. Um, and then at, at the end, God, give us hope. Give us hope in Christ Jesus. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. I'll start in verse 12. So 1 Samuel 4, verse 12. A man from Benjamin ran from the battle line and came to Shiloh the same day with his clothes torn with dirt on his head. And when he arrived, Eli was sitting on his seat by the road watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. When the man came into the city and told the news, all the city cried out. And when Eli heard the sound of the outcry, he said, well, what is this uproar? Then the men hurried and came and told Eli. Now Eli was 98 years old. His eyes were set so that he could not see. And the man said to Eli, I am he who has come from the battle. I fled from the battle today. He said, well, the, how did it go, my son? He who brought the news answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines. There has also been a great defeat among the people. Your two sons, also Hophni and Phinehas, they're, they're dead. The ark of God has been captured. And as soon as he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell over backward from his seat by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died. For the man was old and heavy, and he had judged Israel for 40 years. Now his daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant, about to give birth. And when she heard the news of the ark of God was captured, and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed and gave birth, for her pains came upon her. And about that time of her death, the woman attending her said, Do not be afraid, for you, you've born a son. And she didn't answer or pay attention. And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The Lord has departed from Israel, because the ark of God has been captured, because her father-in-law and her husband are now dead. And she said, The glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured. Something terrible has happened. The nation of Israel has stood its ground in the promised land against the enemy. Israel has went out to battle against the Philistines, but there was a defeat. And not just once, but twice. And not just a defeat, but a massacre. And in verse 12, we, we read about the man that came, from, came to town with the news. He's a man from the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin meaning son of suffering. Benjamin, Jacob's last son, born returning before returning from Canaan to Mesopotamia. A Benjamite, a Benjaminite originally from the central ridge of Jerusalem and Bethel. A man from Benjamin ran from the battle line and then came to Shiloh, the place of worship, the place of the tabernacle, the place where Eli, the high priest, would be. The description, it's, it's just already filled with chaos. Frantic running from the battle line, clothes torn to shreds, dirt on his head. This man has come with news of the Lord's judgment that has fallen on Israel. Israel and their sin, Eli and his sin, will now hear the news of the Lord's judgment. And so this message in many ways is two parts, maybe even three. This weekend we will look at the judgment falling on Israel, and the next week we'll look at the judgment falling on the Philistines. These 
people and their priests are about to hear the news of the impact of their sin. And as we walk through this passage, we will likewise see the impact of sin in our lives today. And so let me answer this question um, from 1 Samuel 4, 12 through 22. What's the impact of sin? What, what's, what's the impact of sin? Simple as I can be. Point one. The impact of sin is brutal. It's brutal. Verse 13, the man arrives at his destination. Eli, the high priest, is already uh, on his seat by the road. He's waiting to hear for, for, from the new, for the news. He knows Israel took the ark of God out on the battlefield. He knows of the promise that his family will be destroyed. He knows he will be waiting to hear from this final confirmation, and his heart is trembling just like just thinking about the ark of God. Why? Well, that one's his responsibility. He's the priest of God, and if anything happens to that ark, it's on him. So his heart trembles. And Eli, with his eyes growing dim, cannot see the man's arrival, but he can hear from the city in fact, the entire town can. When the city heard the news of defeat from the Philistines, the text says that they all cried out. Devastation has arrived for God's people. Like, what would, what would happen to their homes? What would happen to their families? Eli, hearing the outcry, said, what's the uproar? And the man from Benjamin, he finds Eli to share the news in verse 15. It's the exact same news that we read last week in verses 1 through 11. Eli, I ran here from the battle line. And Eli, already knowing the answer, he, he asked the question, how did it go, my son? Just tell me. Israel has fled from the Philistines. There's been a great defeat among the people. Your two sons... Your boys, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. Eli, the ark of God is gone. The ark's gone. Friends, the impact of sin is brutal. And the truth is, we never see it in the moment. Selfishly doing what we desire over what God desires, it just, it hardly feels like a bad idea in the moment. Eli did not notice the impact of his sin while he filled up his belly with the sacrificial meat of the tabernacle. Oh no, it felt great. And when you get away with it once, it just keeps happening. There's a reason Eli is sitting down waiting to hear about the battle. It's not just because he's old. He is fat from stealing from God. Just, it never feels like that in the moment. It, it never feels brutal when we first swim in our sin. It's, it's like... It's like climbing in a hot tub for the first time. It, it just feels great 
for a while, but you stay in that thing for a few hours and you'll get sick and nauseous. And you stay in that thing for a few days, see what happens. And what's crazy is, as some of you all hear that illustration and think, yeah, but we've already mentioned it's cold out. I, would, I think I could test that theory. I think I could prove you wrong. That's exactly how sin works. We just don't, we don't realize the impact and downplay the effects. It's Isaiah 57, verse 20. But the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet. And its waters toss up, toss up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. There is a reason why our sin makes us feel like we're just being shaken around in the sea. There's a reason why our sin, it, it, makes, it makes our mind race. Yeah, like our minds just, it, it refuses to be quiet. There's a reason why our sin tosses up mire and dirt and drama and issues and problems in our lives because there is no peace for the wicked, says my God. The impact of sin is it's not peace, but brutality. And we are playing with fire when we play with unrepentant sin. It's just a matter of time before it wrecks us and those around us. It's brutal to watch people in addiction and divorce and affairs and lying and gossip and out of control anger and greed and selfishness. I'm trying to convince not just you, but all of us, myself, from the text that sin the impact of sin will brutally wound our lives. Because that's not the worst part. Because the impact of, of sin is not just brutality. It's also death. No, sin kills. What's the impact of sin? Here's point two. The impact of sin is it's deadly. Deadly. It's verse 18 of our passage. As soon as Eli heard about the ark of God, he, he fell over backward from his seat beside the gate. His neck was broken and he died, for Eli was old and heavy. He judged Israel for 40 years. The impact of sin is often not immediate. No real account. I just think of Eli as a child, like just trying to play with with friends. Think of Eli with his mom and dad and, and eating meals together. Think of Eli learning and growing as a young man. I think of Eli becoming the high priest of God's people. I just don't think he thought it would end like this. I don't think he realized the long-term impact of his and his family's sin. And so the most gracious thing God can do is allow us to see and to feel the brutality of our sin before death takes over. Even right now. If you and I see just the ugly reality of our sin, that, that's God's grace. Yeah, there's time for repentance, there's restoration, there's hope, but... All of that has an end date for those that choose to live for themselves and not God. I'll give you a bunch of scripture here. This is James 1, 14. But each person is tempted 
when he's lured and enticed by his own desire, and then desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin. Sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. The ultimate impact of our sin, it's death. Isaiah 59, too, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. The first part of Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. 1 John 3, 4, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Then later down in verse 8, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. Don't put that on bumper stickers. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So not only physical death, but eternal death. It's the destruction of not just our physical bodies, but our eternal souls. So if I can be really transparent, I rarely think of my own sin in that way. I might feel bad about it. I might feel some sort of stress or anxiety because of how my sin impacts my, my life or those around me, but I... I rarely see the promise of eternal death that comes from unchecked, unforgiven sin. So not to say this casually, if you would like to die for eternity, continue down the path of sin that you're on. Ignore God. Ignore what He says in His Word. Ignore those that, that really do love you and they're just trying to speak truth in your life. But please know that path led Eli to the grave. And it will lead us to an eternal grave without God. For certain, the impact of sin is death. And I think the next part, at least to me, is the worst reality. I have heard men and women at the end of their life say, I didn't always do the right things, um, but I raised some good kids. The worst part is that we really think the impact of sin dies with us. And that's not logically true or biblical. Because here's point three, the impact of sin, it's generational. Verse 19, more of the family arrives on the scene. We see the daughter-in-law of Eli, the wife of Eli's son, Phineas. She's pregnant. She's about to give birth. A, a moment that should be filled with joy. turns into a tragedy. She hears about the news of the Ark of God being captured. She hears that Eli is dead. She hears that her husband is dead. And in her grief and pain, she goes into labor, a labor that will cost her life. And the midwife tries to comfort her as she dies. Do not be afraid. You've, you've given birth to a son. Even if all the men in your life have died, you have a son. She didn't even respond to those comments. And on her deathbed, she names her son Ichabod, which means there is no glory. 
Two times she says, the glory has departed from Israel. The glory has departed from Israel. The ark of God has been captured. The impact of sin, it didn't die with Eli. It was even passed to his grandson. He was born an orphan. It would bear the mark of shame of God's people, for glory has departed. The impact of sin is generational. And so I say this to every parent and grandparents, or even great-grandparents, don't dare assume that your sin won't impact generations long after you're gone. I grieve my own sin not knowing that it's just not all going to die with me. So many of our sins are rooted in wounds, that were handed down to us from our family. Numbers 14, verse 18, the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of fathers of generations to the third and the fourth generation. We only tend to see what is right in front of us. We worry, all of us, we worry so much about tomorrow, and then we live our lives with no regard for how it will impact tomorrow. It wasn't until uh, seminary that I was able to see the root of my own sin. Growing up in church, Bible college, then later seminary, it wasn't until seminary that I was able to trace my own sin back to generational sin in my family. And that doesn't give me an excuse to do what I want. It just helped me see things a little more clearly. That the impact of sin is generational. April 7th, 2012. A 19-year-old charged with attempted uh, murder for shooting at a Kroger manager in Louisville, Kentucky. He was with another female as they walked into a shoplift and then the manager confronted them. The police shut down the road, part of the road surrounded his apartment, and then they finally took him into custody. And I remember reading that article a little over 10 years ago and just being overwhelmed with emotion because that 19-year-old was once just a kid in the group home that I worked at as a counselor. He was just a kid that was the quarterback of his high school football team. He was just a kid with a giant heart for others. He was just a kid that I would play video games. He was just a kid that wanted to laugh and be loved and was afraid of the dark. And as much as we all loved him, and as much as the child care system of Kentucky failed him, he just could not shake the generational sin that had plagued his life and the impact of the wicked sin that had been done to him and the impact of his own sin ruined him. Don't we see the impact of sin? It's, it's brutal. It's deadly. It's generational. 
for the glory of the Lord departed Israel with the Ark of the Covenant. And there's, not, there's just not a person here that's not been impacted by sin. Some of our stories are covered up with the brutality of pain and sorrow. Some of us have wounded ourselves in the darkest of ways. Some of us have been deeply damaged by the sin of others, even those that we thought loved us. No person is untouched by the devastating impact of sin. But the truth is, the impact of sin is great, but the impact of Christ is greater. And Israel watched the glory of the Lord depart that day, but that is not the story for those in Christ. Romans 8, start in verse 18. I won't read everything that's listed in your bulletin, but we'll start in verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willing, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the, the freedom and the glory of the children of God. For we know whole the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but, but we ourselves, we've, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. Yet we still, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoptions as sons and the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope is not seen, is not hope. That is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? If we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So for those that are in Christ, for those that believe in the gospel, even in our sufferings, even in our shortcomings, even in our struggles, even in our sin. There's real hope and real forgiveness and real salvation. We patiently wait for the glory of the Lord to be revealed to us. Sin is brutal. Sin is deadly. Sin is generational. But our sin has been paid for by the blood of Christ. And so if we're in Christ, we will never hear the words, the glory of the Lord has departed. No, we have a sure hope. There's hope in our sin, and that hope has a name, Christ Jesus. I'll give you your summary point as we close. The glory of the Lord will never leave those in Christ. Any questions about the messenger? Want to give your life to Christ? Um, maybe you've never been baptized. You want to join this local church? Whatever you need, just would love to talk with you. But let's pray. And then we'll sing to you.